I V M. You're listening to the Cricket Walla Chronicles with Ayaz Memon. Hi, this is Pooja from the Fan Garage. We present to you a new show, Total Cricket with Ayaz. In the first season, of course, we're going to talk about the revolution that's taken the world of cricket by storm, 2020 cricket. But before that, just a sec. Ayaz, of course, is someone who needs no introduction. Someone with unparalleled knowledge and insight on cricket. A published author, respected sports editor. But the way I particularly and fondly like to introduce Ayaz, he's someone who's written more words on cricket than Sachin has scored runs. Believe it or not. <laughs> You're going to get me, no, no, get no, me no. hammered. It gets better. Ayaz has covered more World Cups than Sachin has played in. How's well, that? You're, you're intent on getting me massacred. <laughs> well, total cricket all the way, Ayaz. But no, we, I mean, our first season, like I said, we're going to talk about the revolutionary T20 cricket. We're right here in the middle of the ninth edition of the IPL. It's the biggest money spinner in the world today. But, you know, it was back in 2001 that the first thought and the first seed of 2020 cricket as we know it today was beginning to germinate, you know. And it was in the mecca of cricket in England that everyone started to to talk about how do we bring in the people back again? How do we put bums on seats? You know, the viewership's declining, sponsors are screaming. And where did all this revolution begin, Ayaz? Well, as you mentioned, it began in England. I think England has always been the place where, you know, these kind of improvisations, innovations a departure from uh, the norm or the convention has happened traditionally in, 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 in cricket. So, for instance, one-day cricket also started from England, though it got very popular because of what happened in Australia with the coloured clothing and floodlights. And and then after that, of course, uh, the way India took up to the uh, limit lowers uh, well, game. Well, it is after, after all the British who taught the world cricket, right? So... Yes, but, you know, I must add here that uh, I don't know if you've read this book, Tower of Cricket, where uh, the social philosopher Ashish Nandi mentions that cricket is an Indian game invented by the English. So (laughs) India is in the forefront and the IPL is a classic example that once something happens, they may not, we may not kind of introduce it, but if it appeals to us, if our palate accepts it, then we take it, you know, to whatever, the, the highest levels. It happened with Test Cricket. The largest crowds you would get in India when Test Cricket was really popular. And in fact, India was seen as this great land of, uh, uh, you know, great mystique and intrigue. And why would so 90,000 people or 100,000 people come to the Eden Gardens to watch cricket? And it, it kind of boggled the minds of people in England or Australia that so many people could go and see a cricket match. <laughs> And then after that, in 1983, after we won the World Cup, and before that, ODI cricket hadn't really taken off in India. It was popular because cricket was popular. But after the 1983 win, you know, India became the El Dorado for limited overs cricket, one-day cricket. I mean, playing 17, 18, 20 matches a year in India. And then came, of course, T20 cricket. And I think the trigger before the IPL was India winning. Uh, in 2007, the World Championship, the inaugural World Championship, not just winning, beating Pakistan in the final, uh, last yes, of last of final. Absolutely, it was magical. But no, we must re- rewind to yes. many years before that. And really, how was this whole revolution coming around? What really set it about? So, Pooja, I think uh, like it happened with uh, one-day cricket in England, uh, you know, 
what was test cricket and what was first class cricket which was played over 3 days county cricket uh was seeing you know migration of cricket followers to other sports or at least not coming for cricket matches there was dwindling spectatorship even for one day cricket and i must tell you where i think the first kind of indication of this came that there was some kind of concern emerging in the english cricket establishment this was during the 1999 world cup uh so the india versus pakistan match was a mega hit but not all the matches were wherever india played because there were massive indian supporters yes you know Correct. you had packed I mean, houses yeah, we... but not some of the other games and therefore i think it kind of started dawning on uh, you know english cricket officiators and especially the administrators hey we are losing even spectatorship in one day cricket now we need to rethink what is to be done how do we get cricket lovers back into the stadiums and i think that's where this thought germinated and you know i think the the prime mover was stuart robertson who was part of the ECB english ecb marketing ecb marketing manager there, marketing yes. manager so uh, like happens in in all such setups you know in a, in a kind of a bureaucratic setup somebody is assigned a certain role okay you investigate find out what are the you know what recourse is available uh, but nobody at that time imagined that it would be so radical so revolutionary that you come up with a 20 over a side game uh i think i and if i've read correctly is that stuart robertson actually conducted a massive survey yes i believe so it was a an extensive research study undertaken and you know it cost them back then i believe 200000 quid and you know that's not a small amount but it just goes to show that it wasn't born out of somebody's radical whims and fancies oh, there certainly was, not there was research and study uh, put into understanding why people were not coming and you know what is it that instead they wanted to see so i th- i think uh, you know it, it, cricket has been actually uh, how do i put it it's been very the approach has been very dogmatic by people who run the sport uh, it's it, in a sense it can get very very archaic the thinking and the thinking is that you know this is how the game is has been always will be and should be but it's not necessarily the case as we know in every other sphere of life that change is inevitable uh, so we've had one day cricket after much opposition in the early 60s when it came and when the colored clothing came thanks to kerry packer it was called pajama cricket you know so there has been and which is not such a bad thing there has been a whole lobby or a school of cricket romanticists and uh, you know they've always been very very reluctant to change but change has happened sometimes over a longer period than perhaps was necessary but here i think what stuart robertson did is try and try and understand how the preferences and interests of people have changed it's not that cricket is changing cricket will change if the preferences have changed and that research showed him that so one of the biggest things findings was that you know if i'm if i've got the money and i don't have the time do i give up the sport or what do i do right absolutely in his that words was, in his words i mean he put it you know they were cash rich but poor time cash rich and poor time i think that's a classic phrase so that was the conundrum that i like cricket i love it i've got now the money to spend on it but i don't have the time absolutely and unless you give me something where i can you know go and enjoy it in a limited amount of time i'm not willing to part with the money so it was a bit of both you know yeah don't... and when and let's not forget you know when england and and the epl and when you talk football 90 minutes you have bam bam action so and here we're talking about a whole day in 50 overs and that kind of stuff so clearly you needed a much shorter crisper format of the game oh absolutely and let let me put it in perspective pooja that 
in India, we see cricket as the biggest sport, which it is. And by far, you know, it, it, if you just take a random kind of a survey, it will show you that cricket earns of all the spend on sports in India, uh, the revenue for cricket must be 80% of that. If not more. If not more. Right. Right. Also, the spectatorship and the eyeballs. Absolutely. Yes. While in England, cricket may be the national game, but it's not the most popular game. It's football. In New Zealand, it's rugby. In Australia, it's Australian rules football. While cricket may be the national game for historical and colonial reasons. Likewise, in the West Indies, where cricket was very big and the primary sport, it had given way to athletics, to football, to so too in South Africa. Rugby is far bigger. Football is even bigger than cricket. So, I think the in, in, in England, the fear was that everything that or even the whatever is coming to cricket might vanish if we don't adapt and change if we don't improvise. I think that was really the underlying underlying fear and therefore the need to come up with T20 cricket. And yet, you know, I mean, so whilst there was a fear of change and at the same time a need to bring about change, I mean, as we all, as we know with all things new, there is always opposition. And yeah. I believe that when it was put to vote in a boardroom of 18 people, seven votes actually went against this new format of cricket. And, you know, two more votes and we actually would have never known what T20 was. So. So, it, so it shows you how divided the cricket world was even as, you know, not very, it's not 200 years ago. This is about 15, 16 years back that we're talking. That seven of those eight, 18 people actually thought you're messing around with a game which... <laughs> it's rubbish. It's rubbish. You're messing around with a sport which has stood the time test of time for about 100 years and more. Why do you want to muck around with it further? We've already done it with ODI cricket. But the good part is, in, in the story, is that 11 said, no, let's, let's muck <laughs> around. Absolutely. Let's yeah. mess around because <laughs> otherwise we are in a right royal mess. And and then it was, you know, up to the, the other seven to basically toe the line and see, okay, fine, let's how, let's see how to make it work. So it was the trigger to at least go out and change and see what happens. Experiment. If if it didn't work, it didn't work. But the impulse, the trigger was given that, okay, we need to do something. And I think what happened subsequently uh, just proved those 11 people 100% right. And, you know, so whilst they've, they've decided on the format and they've agreed to get it going and, you know, kickstart the whole process, it's interesting how the whole coinage of the word 2020 or T20 as we know it today in an even yeah. abbrevi abbreviated format came about. I mean, Cricket Light was one of the options actually being considered. Yeah. And to think that, you know, in today's times, it just wouldn't fly because people wouldn't take it seriously. The fact that you put in the word light over there. So, yeah. so cricket light and even 2020 to, to some extent sound like, you know, uh, cigarette packs. So, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but T20 now, I mean, it's, you know, it's on everybody's lips or on everybody's tongues and uh, tongue. And, you know, it seems like it's the most apt. What else could it be except 2020 when you're playing 20 overs and there are two teams so there's 20 overs and 20 overs. That's the match. And therefore, it's 2020. T20. Or T20. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and it's very catchy. You know, I, th I think cricket light, maybe it would have worked. But I think T20 is, it just rolls off so easily on the tongue. Yeah. And, and you know, the whole atmosphere when the first T20 game was played. I mean, there were pizza boys on, on bicycles doing rounds at the boundary line, delivering quick pizzas to people. There was face painting happening. And so clearly the whole... Effort was to make it fun, light-hearted, make it more like a carnival. And that exactly is how we enjoy T20 today. I mean, of course, in in India, we, we add a lot of razzmatazz and Bollywood and it's a heady mix. That's with the IPL. With the IPL. 
Yes, uh, but even in the international, uh, at the oh, international level, the first, T20 first, is... No, and so therefore we saw in India first signs of it in the 2007 World Championship. But I just want to make a, a kind of a my own home homegrown philosophical take on this. That with T20, cricket moved massively and almost, you know, unreservedly into the consumerist area. T20 was created by public demand. The original, you know, format of cricket, the 5D format or the first class format was a construct on its own. It was not driven by consumer demand. To an extent, ODIs were, one day internationals were. But this is a complete and, you know, unfettered meeting of consumer demand, the T20 thing. I've got the dosh. I've got only so much time. Give me what you can to make my time there, three hours, completely enjoyable. So the cricket is action is non-stop, but along with that, you know, you'll get where you, wherever you are seated, you'll get pizza delivered on time, or an ice cream, or you'll have cheerleaders. It's a whole package, rather than just only the cricket. The whole surround sound around T20, which makes what it makes for what it is, and therefore the appeal for the modern consumeristic sports fan. Uh, it's it's much like Yankeeization of cricket, isn't it? I mean, up until then, uh, cheerleaders was always associated. I don't know whether that's praise or criticism. Yankeeization. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, America, the land of the marketers. I mean, they're that's the best true. at it. That's so. true. Sometimes it's seen with, uh, you know, it's seen as a disparaging remark because, you know, especially for tradition-bound old-school cricket lovers, that that's a surrender to mammon and to commerce. When you Yankeeize something... Or go the path of America. Well, the, the success rate at which T20 cricket is has taken the world by storm. I mean, today you have Big Bash, you have Ram Slam, IPL, of course, is in its ninth season, not without its share of controversies. Yeah. But each season just gets bigger, better, bolder. So I, I think it's also a kind of manifestation of the globalization of the world. So whether it's Yankeeization or Indianization of cricket is a matter of opinion now. So, you know, whether Indian palate, the Indian palate or Indian preference of, of how cricket will be consumed has been influenced by Americans or America is a matter of debate. I don't know how many people of the 120 crore that live here have actually watched a lot of sport, American sport, barring in the metros. But they've taken to IPL like it was always their game. Absolutely. You and that's, this is how they always ever consume so sport. So, to me, it doesn't mean a Yankeeization. It actually means complete Indianization of if cricket. that's how you'd like to call it, sure, I'll go with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've decided on a new format. We've given it a new name, T20 Cricket. And, and then, of course, Australia and New Zealand were the first two countries, in fact, to ever play an international T20 match. Yes. Isn't it? And, and, and how they played, they actually wore false beards and moustaches and, and stuff. Because I don't think anybody thought of it uh, as, a, as a serious endeavor on the cricket field. 2020, I mean, 50 overs was accepted very reluctantly. And then, of course, it became very mega because of the World Cups that were played. And then it became 2020. 20, it seemed almost like a negation of everything that cricket stood for. Because the the traditional way of playing cricket was you go out there... I mean, in a, in a test match, the opening batsman should bat out 20 overs to see off the new ball, you know, on the first morning. And here you're saying the entire innings is over in 20 overs. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a very radical thought when you think about it. And therefore, I think there was a lot of musty and fun and frolic in the first match that was played between New Zealand and and uh, and Australia. In fact, if I remember correctly, it's in that match that Glenn Magra even bowled. Uh, an underarm delivery. Is that so? Yes. <laughs> and he was red-carded by umpire Billy Bowden. And to say that there are no red cards in cricket, eh? 
just you know to add to the flavor and the drama and the tamasha not i don't think any of those players or anybody knew what was wa- waiting for them because subsequently as we know t20 has come like a tsunami wasn't it also the match when nasir hussain was making his debut as a commentator that was in england oh okay all right that was in england that okay. was actually a county match okay if i remember correctly uh, between two counties all right but, they, but a t20 nonetheless a t20 yeah but the new zealand australia match was played in new zealand yes yes of course so i mean look uh, and you know you mentioned nasir hussain i think that's a classic uh, you know anecdote from what i've read that nasir hussain who had just re- retired from or recently retired from cricket uh, and was doing his first commentary assignment and he was a hardcore you know kind of a traditional cricketer uh, who excelled in 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 the five day format or the first class format had been captain of england and his first assignment so to speak is a t20 match <laughs> i believe he was well i remember reading one of the news reports and it said a grumpy nasser hussain making his <laughs> commentary debut yeah i mean i can imagine he must have been very grumpy because you feel as an ex cricketer having just retired and as a captain of england you know that's a big honor that is this what i'm supposed to do <laughs> you know having spent maybe 18 20 years of my life playing all formats all i mean all at all levels and then my first assignment in commentary is to go and cover a 2020 match so i th- i think yeah i mean if i was in this place i would be grumpy too we'll continue our chat on the cricket wala chronicles right after this break welcome back you're listening to the cricket wala chronicles with ayaz this is pooja from the fan garage So you know, I mean, it was Australia and New Zealand as the first countries who played an international T20, and from there on, how was the wave actually taking the world, you know, in its stride? How did the other countries come on board to start accepting this format? I think on the circuit, word went around, or not just word. I think there was enough evidence, uh, there was enough uh, numbers and stats and research data available to show that this is a format which is finding very. ready takers there were audiences that were waiting to lap it up and i think what the research also threw up is that you're getting a far wider spectrum of people coming in cross section was not just male 30 and above which you would was perhaps the case in in test matches or 25 and over here there were lots of kids families coming out there and actually foregoing some other form of entertainment to come and watch this instead of going to a movie you know with the family and spending whatever you did there you actually coming and spending it on a cricket match so that's a great incentive for a sport to try and you know build build from or build on so it was really from 2005 onwards that other countries actually started gradually. accepting gradually gradually yes and they started introducing it in domestic cricket in various countries except of course the indian cricket board was most reluctant you know the bcci was not at all convinced or wanted to kind of play the t20 format even domestic cricket even pakistan played T20 cricket oh, they had a, so? they, okay. they had a, they had a season of uh, T20 for their local teams So there teams. was a lot of domestic T20 action It had started happening. growing when I say, when we when we say lot it means you know it, it just started getting introduced in England in uh, in Pakistan and uh, so therefore and everywhere I think what what was emerging is that everywhere the reaction or the response seemed to be the same it didn't differ whether it was in england or new zealand or australia or in pakistan or wherever t20 was played the response was phenomenal well it's no wonder then you know and then in a short span of 4 years i mean if 2003 is when the first t20 match was ever played in 4 years time you actually had a full fledged t20 world cup absolutely and in that, 2007. Was, that was that was fast tracked because there was no time to lose you know 
even in the West Indies 2007 World Cup it was clear that ODIs were losing some of their charm and Again, a lot of this is also actually commercially driven by uh, TV viewership and pressure from sponsors you know i mean if you're not going to have the eyeballs on air you're not going to have bums on seats on, on the ground you know eventually where's the money going to come from so so, so that's the hard reality of of sport today contemporaries you know sport in the contemporary world and not just cricket and therefore so for instance i'm a great lover of test match cricket i'm a in that sense i'm a puritan but you're not grumpy when you come to t20 matches no i'm not uh, or even watching t20 sure, matches sure. you know i'm not grumpy i think over what has convinced me is over the last 7 8 9 years that we watch this is that all three formats have their own charm the deleterious effects of t20 which one thought or was the argument earlier from a lot of experts that is going to kill skills and ruin, ruin technique, technique yes and absolutely and ruin young careers has actually not happened so just to as a digression let me tell you in the world t20 which was played in india earlier this year and your best batsman was virat kohli who's also possibly the best batsman in test cricket and odis is the test cricket captain for is it isn't it and he's the best batsman in the world right absolutely yeah, you yeah. know okay if he is not then possibly it's kane williamson who's also 26 year old and if kane williamson is not then perhaps it is joe root who's also 26 years old or if he's if it's not any of these then it's possibly steve smith and if it's none of these which i mentioned earlier then it could be david warner so what i'm saying is there's a whole bunch of youngsters the point i'm trying to drive home all these batsmen have grown up in the era of t20 and they've learned to adapt from format to format so when virat kohli goes out to play a test match he's not thinking of it as a t20 match and therefore he's adapted and yeah, well, just goes to also show therefore then their their grounding in the technique is so solid exactly. and that you know it's not just about a power hitting shot the technique has got to be right and it's there right and so we've just talked of batsmen but it's also fairly true of you know i think bowlers now i mean bowlers have to think a lot more and they take they carry their thinking into the other formats what has happened is it has increased the pace in traditional cricket batsmen are ready to take more risks maybe takes risks earlier earlier on yes so you'll find from say 2000 to 2016 number of test matches that have been played maybe they don't last all 5 days and why should they test match five limit was five day limit was the maximum it's not necessarily the optimum that you have to play them all out it's yeah. not that the result should only come on the last to last day is last over correct you know it could come any time earlier and if you look at test cricket records of 100 years ago matches used to end in two and a half three days four days because of uncovered wickets whatever else you know was there we are actually i think going back into what i think is perhaps the golden era of even test match cricket where there is a lot more action there is a lot more bravado there's a lot more risk taken and a lot more results and if 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 you're getting results it means the bowlers are also delivering somebody has to get wickets it's not just the batsmen making hey it's also the bowlers who are you know they also matter and they count absolutely yeah. so i think the game has benefited to the extent that it has increased the tempo and made test cricket also that much more attractive so it's not a you know while the formats are different the skill sets may vary from format to format but it's the same players who've learned to adapt and i think it's human ingenuity which helps that because you know i mean you may go to a classical concert and wear a kurta and a dhoti and go and put on some perfume and you know for the ambiance yeah, for the yeah, yeah. for but the that doesn't mean that you don't enjoy the classical but it doesn't mean that you can't wear a pair of jeans and go out and you know party hard if you want to right you know and it doesn't mean if you do one you can't do the other and if you can do you know if you can do both well why not 
and and so we you know we've of course had this world championship as it was called the first the, yes the 2007 first world championship of cricket t20 world championship t- of cricket 2020 world championship in 2007 in, 2007. in south africa and I mean, I was there for the launch ceremony, and I remember these um, hunky men, you know, clad, covered in tattoos, not in clothes, actually, yeah. and riding these even hunkier Harley Davidsons, spinning around the dome in Joburg, and <laughs> there were trapeze artists swinging from end to end, and it was unthinkable that this was actually the launch of a cricket World Cup. But yeah. that is exactly what the ICC promised to viewers: that it's it's quick, it's fast, it's something you've never seen before. It's power packed and adrenaline pump, pumping yeah and that is how the world was being fed cricket back in 2007 and of course today it's staple it's staple diet for us yes so i think basically there were the understanding was that t20 has to be packaged well because any sport today is not just about the 20 20 25000 people you might get at the ground or even 65 70000 leg like at, at the eden, eden gardens yeah. it's today about you know millions, a global viewership a global yes. viewership how do you make it attractive for television or on television because your biggest audience is there that's where you know you will get the money or the mula coming in and for that to come in the broadcasters have to be convinced that we have to do all of this packaging and therefore spend on that to get returns in place earlier when you looked at cricket in its pristine glory so to speak what happened on the field play was the the, the be all and end all nothing else around it Today, it's not just about the play. The play is paramount. Of course, the of play course. is paramount. But it's also about who's come there to see the match, what's happening around it, who's playing the music, what is the act, which band is performing today in you know in some final or whatever else it might be. And the, to that extent, yes, it's a great borrowing from uh, you know sports in Yankee Land. Right. You know whether it's AFL or it's a uh, NBA, NBA right. and whatever you know as we've seen it. Yeah. So. it's not because of anything else it's it's just that the medium today demands that which is the television medium and television companies are not you know i think they are very secular and they are not in a, in a sense bound by understanding of of, of nationalism see a television broadcaster in the us may also be the broadcaster in england may also be a Correct. broadcaster it's a global feed isn't it and there is a certain, their research shows that there is a certain way in how sports is consumed and how things need to be packaged and how need to, to make be it packaged. appealing and yeah. as i mentioned earlier globalization has actually flattened the world so therefore viewership patterns are not necessarily becoming very different in fact they are becoming similar and it, it it let and let me use another analogy if the olympic games are held in china or in the us there has to be a commonality there's lots of it which is common or in london you know you won't cover the 100 meters race in a different way because it's being held in china or in london you yeah, know it's yeah. it has to be the same right the build up for the 100 meters race in london when i watched the olympics took 2 or 3 hours wow you know and then we had this and to see it all get over in like 9 or 100... seconds yes yes so so that's the that's the nature of the beast that's the demand of the medium and there's the demand of sports spectatorship now. yeah absolutely and and you know and there we were at the 2007 world cup launch and I believe it, there was one country who was like the last one to sign on the dotted line wasn't it I'm no two guesses for that come on come on pooja I've given no. you an hint, hint earlier India <laughs> Yes I think India was <coughs> very reluctant resistant to change resistant actually I may even mention here that perhaps there has been an in my understanding a little bit of a barrier that India's or the BCCI has had in venturing out and trying to 
do things or innovate on its own. You see, India have been great followers or follow-ups on improvisations or innovations made elsewhere. So India doesn't promote or has not as yet been the promoter of certain things. The leader or the promoter? Even the leader in thinking. When I say promote, so for instance, DRS, we are the, you know, the, we are the obstructionists or we are the naysayers. We are not the promoters. Even ODIs started in England. T20 started somewhere else. But once we adopt it, then we go the whole hog. And therefore, in 2007, I think partly this has to be this has to do with a sense of power. The BCCI today or Indian cricket is the biggest. India is the El Dorado of the sport. And I, I, to, to some extent, I can understand where this comes from. Is that all cricket boards were bullied by the MCC for many, many, many decades. And then, of course, by the MCC and the Australian cricket board, which were the two most powerful. And when India came into its own as a cricketing power, it didn't want to be shoved around. Okay. That's the simple truth. It goes back to 1983. I can tell you this. 1983 World Cup, NKP Salve was the president. Jagmohan Dalmia, I think, was secretary. And IS Bindra was the treasurer, if I, if I remember correctly. And they wanted a couple of tickets for the final. India's playing and they wouldn't get it. And therefore, they... And that obviously is not going to go down well, they, right? They worked around... Uh, they worked out a way... And this is interesting. They worked out a way to get the World Cup moved away from England. After three World Cups, 75, 79, 83, the World Cup in, in 1987 was played in the subcontinent. And I can, you know, how big was that achievement? It was held in India and Pakistan, two countries which are otherwise at loggerheads on Absolutely. virtually and, every issue. And here they co-hosted a tournament they co-hosted successfully. A tournament. Yes. So it showed you how the board felt. And within the establishment, the cricket establishment globally, within the ICC, BCC had emerged by 2000, you know, clearly by 2000, early 2000 or even late 1990s as the biggest destination for the game in terms of spectatorship, in terms of opportunities, and especially after television rights became such a big thing because maximum number, number of eyeballs came from India. Right, absolutely. But yeah. India was, I don't think that people in the BCCI are, you know, regularly wearing their thinking caps. It's not that there are no thinking people around. They're not wearing the thinking caps to see how they can take the f- the sport forward, whether in technical terms or, or technological terms, you know, whether it should be the front foot rule, no ball or the back foot. You know, very few Indians are influencers. Whether you should get neutral umpires, it was it took five years of fighting by Imran Khan to get neutral umpires into the international panel. Mm. So that's been the kind of approach that the BCCI has had so far. And therefore, even in 2006-7, when this first World Championship was being mooted, they were not at all, you know, they were not easy to convince. They were the last cricket board to agree. And part of that uneasiness of being part of this World Championship or having to go there and, you know, or maybe they were not convinced is reflected in the fact that the Indian team which went there was actually bereft of all stars or most stars, barring MS Dhoni, and, you know, a few others. Right. The biggest stars at that time in Indian cricket didn't go for the two. The big two four, th- as we know, were missing from the team that went to, yeah. to South Africa I mean, in big four certainly didn't go. There was no Tendulkar, there was no Dravid, there was no Lakshman, there was no Ganguly. Right. So, it, it, you know, and it, it actually reflects the thinking of the board. Maybe they had, they were overworked, they had, a, they had, had a long eight, ten months, a series in... Uh, in in the West Indies, maybe a year, which was pretty hectic. Then in South Africa, then in uh, the World Cup in in 2007 in the West Indies, where we lost badly, and Greg Chappell lost his managership. Yes, yes, of course. And then How of course a, a, a series in England, which we actually won. We won the Test series, 
we lost the one day series 3-2 very narrowly mm. but after that you know obviously some of these players must have felt fatigue there's no doubt but this was the world cup and the big four either also said, there was no acceptance of the format i mean yes you know, so i think you know it stemmed from that suppose it was today nobody would want to mix you know i can't think of any big player in the indian current indian team saying i'll skip the world cup because i'm not convinced about the t20 format but that reflected the mindset of the you know the officials within the bcci also and i think partly the reason even till 2007 was you know this format we're not convinced we don't think it'll last maybe it'll last for one year two years maybe it'll be it'll remain confined to yeah, domestic yeah it was being seen more as an experiment or a flavor of the season perhaps time pass musti you know almost like mickey mouse cricket as one very you know one player told me on the 2007 tour i wonder who that was well now no well. no come on it's all balls i asked no. <laughs> you got to go for that one no i'm i'm, I'm trying to think to be honest I'm trying to think who told me. It could have been Dravid, it could have been Lakshman, it could have been Ganguly. I'm not getting, able to get the name, but one. I mean, the idea was the idea was it's not that it is bad cricket, but yeah, but it didn't seem like it didn't seem serious. serious it didn't enough. seem what they played, and clearly yeah, it's not what they it played. Kumble, I'm 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 not getting the name now, but this was the sentiment. This was the sentiment that this you know, okay, it's not you're not missing anything because this seems like non-serious stuff. The 2007. World Championship actually made it serious yes. by the manner in which it unfolded, the kind of crowds that came in, not just in terms of numbers but the wide spectrum of people who came and the 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 spectacle it became for the action on the field as well as off the field, the cheerleaders, the color, the pageantry, which everybody on television in India, you know, there was a wow factor to it. Absolutely, which I we mean, when we saw it, and then of course Sonia Pe Sohaga. Was that you know, we lifted Lori, that trophy? Wasn't we lifted it? a trophy. I wonder if the sentiment in the cricket world would have been different if India wasn't the first trophy holder for the T20 World Cup. But it's a good of question. Course, yes, no, absolutely. A, no, I'll tell you what. No, no. There's lots more to discuss on that, yeah. and we'll definitely come to it because you know what happened after the the T20 World Cup in 2007, of course, set the you know changed the tone forever and ever. Yes. But you know, I mean, T20, its origins, where the revolution started, the research. 13th June 2003 I believe is the official date for when the first T20 international match was played and that is the date that is recorded in history as the official starting point of T20 internationals in the world and you know today we have a revolution that's just taken the world by storm what happened from 2007 we'll come to in our next episode on the cricketwala chronicles with ayas signing out now pooja from the fan garage Cricketwala Chronicles is available on iTunes, Audioboom, YouTube, the IBM Podcast app and many other podcasting apps that you may like.